Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by Metro Editor Greg Jefferson. Nancy Prayer Johnson, Express News Editorial Board Deputy Editor. One of the big stories in, in uh, the San Antonio area uh, recently has been uh, the fact that we had uh, six police officers uh, shot in, in a period of about two weeks, and it's uh, it's gotten a lot of attention, understandably, here. Uh, on Friday, uh, both uh, District Attorney Joe Gonzalez and Police Chief uh, William McManus met with the San Antonio Express News editorial board separately, and uh, we're really happy to have uh, Joe Gonzalez joining us on the podcast to, to talk a little bit about some of these issues. And some of these were discussed on Friday. We really appreciate you being here with us. Thank you so much, Gilbert. Uh, it's an honor to to uh, come in and uh, take a moment to explain uh, what our office does. Uh, first, if, if I may, I want to take a minute to uh, acknowledge that this is the anniversary of 9-11 yes. and certainly want to recognize um, uh, the brave souls uh, of that uh, of that day and, and lest we never forget or lest we forget the, the sacrifices that they made. Uh, thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate that. Um, you know, in, in talking to the chief on Friday, um, it seemed to me that there were two separate issues that he had raised. And and, and the, the backdrop for this is that uh, as we started to see some of these uh, these cases, these incidents happening, there were tweets from the chief where he, he was not mentioning you by name, but they were, he was saying, well, so-and-so, this, has, this person has a, uh, is a repeat offender. They have a criminal record. They should be in jail. What's happening here? And, and it was clear where he was coming from on that. And that's, that led to the, uh, the meetings with the editorial board. He had a couple of things that he, that he raised. One of them had to do with the, the bond amounts that are being set for people, uh, you know, after they, they've, uh, committed an offense or been accused of committing an offense. And um, I wanted to start with that because I wanted to, to, and you talked about this on Friday, the process, because I, I think there are many people who don't understand how the process works and the role that the district attorney's office plays in the setting of a bond. Sure. Uh, and, but before I do that, because you made uh, mention of something that I think bears uh, correction, if I may. Sure. You said uh, six people involved in the five shootings. We know now for, uh, that the events of the Home Depot uh, incident, uh, the, the injury to the officer was self-inflicted, uh, that those individuals, uh, Victor Fernandez and Mauricio Martinez, uh, did not, not ever fire at any of the officers. But uh, and I think that's important to bear out because uh, my recollection is that every one of these events, uh, the chief mentioned uh, violent repeat offenders and we have to get these people off the streets and they should be in jail. Mm -hmm. The reality is only two of the six had any sort of violent history. Um, so I think uh, it's important uh, that we correct the narrative. But back to bonds, uh, the way that the process works is when someone uh, is arrested. They're brought to the magistrate's office. Uh, a magistrate has a responsibility to do three things. Review the offense report that the, that the officer submits with the prisoner, uh, and determine probable cause. Uh, inform, uh, the prisoner of his constitutional rights. For example, right to remain silent, all those rights that we have always known and, and set a bond. The bond is, has to be set by the magistrate judge. He's got, he or she has the, the absolute responsibility to set a bond. Uh, the judge makes a decision where the bond falls. Now, we can make recommendations about where we believe the bond should be Do you set. all make recommendations all, in most cases? Or? We do. Uh, the judges don't always ask us. They, they don't always ask for our recommendation, but, but we endeavor, especially when it comes to violent crime, 
to to make a recommendation. And I will tell you that for the most part, when it comes to violent crime, when it comes to to cases where uh, someone has committed uh, or has been alleged to commit uh, aggravated robbery, uh, attempted capital murder, police officer murder, that that uh, they do uh, for the most part follow our recommendations. But they don't have, excuse me, but they don't have to. Uh, the judges make that call on their own. Have there been uh, cases that stand out to you? Uh recently or even before the, this recent spate of, of shootings where you've been frustrated by the um, the bonds that have been set by the, the judges? Funny you should say that uh, because what, what has disturbed me in the last couple of days, uh, not having to do uh, with uh, the shootings, but there was a, a dog mauling that occurred after the one that everybody uh, is aware of where it was so severe that um, – the uh, it severed the, this poor man's testicle, um, and we recommended a bond of 100, over a hundred thousand dollars that was reduced by the magistrate judge. Uh, they ought to be considering the severity of the injury to the victim, which is why we recommended a high bond. That recommendation was not followed, so that's an example of when a magistrate judge uh, makes a decision to set a bond at less than what we recommend. Mm -hmm. um, the one of the things that, that that also came up on Friday was, you know, the system by which the, these these assessments are made. Um, and and I have to confess that I'm, you know, I, there's a lot that I don't know about this. But there's I, I, we've we've heard talk, and I know some some uh, states use what people refer to as a risk assessment system. Hmm. Um, and forgive me for my ignorance on on uh, the approach that's taken here, but. Um, I've, I've heard that discussed as, you know, as a possible approach that could that could be used um, to uh, maybe help uh, better evaluate. And, and I, I know there are a lot of questions and, and there's controversy surrounding that approach, but to maybe uh, evaluate uh, the risk of people committing you know, serious offenses later. I've been very vocal about the fact that I've been a, a proponent to change the, the bail bond system because today it is not based on risk. It's ba it's a cash bond system. So if somebody that commits a serious offense like a murder, uh, it, his bond is set at $100,000 and he happens to have access to what is typically the percentage, 10%, he can get out with 10, posting $10,000. Or he finds a bondsman that are, is willing to, to write the bond. Sometimes they do it as low as 3%. So, and it could be obviously in a situation like that, the, the risk is high, right? You have somebody that's being accused of murder. If it's a family violence situation, excuse me, uh, that individual may be released and go back to to continue to assault the victim. So, uh, yes, I, I believe that it should be changed. But it, it if it's going to be changed, it has to be in the legislature because today, and, and that's what I have to keep harping on, is everyone has a constitutional right to a bond with very limited circumstances like capital murder. And even then, we have to prove that there's a chance that this person uh, uh, may be exposed to the death penalty. But in rare instances, um, we can uh, detain or remand somebody without bond. Every other instance, a judge has to set a bond. Under a risk assessment system, would it would it be easier to hold people without bond or would that would that part of it not change? I think so, because the judge then would look at the person and say, okay, you know, uh, th this crime is so severe yep. based on the facts and circumstances uh, and the, and the, 
and the risk of the safety of the community, I'm not going to set a bond. So, yes, I think uh, that that would be better for the community at large to be able to use that risk system assessment. What happens today, uh, Gilbert, is that we have uh, a, a process by which the magistrate judges are given in the pa past criminal history in the firms of database. There's the TCIC and the NCIC. TCIC stands for Texas uh, Criminal uh, Information Computer. And then, of course, NCIC, National uh, Crime Information Computer. That's the, that's the information that they have in front of them to determine where to set a bond. So do they already... Is it inherent in the process that they that they consider their backgrounds, their criminal backgrounds? Yes, it's actually by statute is that they must consider um, uh, the the criminal history of of the prisoner that they're that they're uh, uh, considering a bond for. They have to, but there are other factors that they have to consider. Obviously, the risk to the community. Uh, now, though, they have to consider the the uh, the prisoners. Um, ability to make a bond because this constitution uh, mm -hmm. provides and, and the Court of Criminal Procedure provides that bonds uh, are, are created in order to assure the, the presence of that individual in court, but they cannot be oppressive. So some somebody, um, years ago, I don't know if any, any of you remember, but there was a certain magistrate who used to set bonds regularly at a million dollars. Um, and that magistrate judge is a good friend of mine, and, and he did that because he felt that was the right thing to do. But those bonds were oppressive, mm -hmm. uh, and that's one of the things that sometimes we do when we're in the, in the office is uh, we want to we want to set a, a recommended bond that's not so high that the judge will just ignore it. You know these um, police shootings, as you know, um, my husband is retired, San Antonio Police Department. So, I mean, anytime I see a police officer shot, it's you know it brings it all back. I mean, when you're married to a law enforcement officer, that's your worst nightmare is that they're not going to return. Um, and you know, thank God that didn't happen with him. But I, my heart goes out to those um, wives and those families of those law enforcement officers who were shot. You know, and and as we know. A lot of the officers um, who were shot in the past, none of these, but I mean, some of these actually do have some really pretty devastating um, injuries, right? Um, but some in the past have, you know, in San Antonio and other places haven't, um, haven't made it, they, they die. And so how do you balance um, what's happening out there? The, the, the risk that officers, I mean, it's an inherent risk, right? But how do you balance that with also your bond reform? Because I know that is the narrative out there, right? And Chief McMahon has told us during the editorial board meeting as well that, you know, these officers and if it's not officers, it's going to be the public, um, that their lives are more at risk because uh, because of the reform that you're trying to do that's based on whether or not the offender can um, can pay. Well, first, let me say that, that uh, and if I haven't said this publicly, I certainly uh, mean to have said this. My heart goes out also to the officers that, that were injured in these shootings. Uh, we want to make sure that, that they come home safe every day uh, after their shift. Uh, I, too, have a member uh, in my family that's law enforcement, that has been in law enforcement for over 30 years. So uh, I certainly, under, and I've heard those stories over the years uh, about, um, you know, the close calls that, that, that uh, he experienced. Uh, it is a very dangerous job. The reality is, and sometimes people forget this, 
uh, they are they are dealing with the criminal element in our society. Uh, and any time they pull somebody over, any time they execute a warrant, they have to be ready for that individual to uh, to have a gun, especially nowadays. Yeah, it bears uh, repeating, although I said it last week, part of the problem, folks, is everybody has a gun and everybody has access to a gun. People pull guns on each other at gas stations and at the local grocery store. And, and so what happens is, um, yes, uh, we're concerned with that, but... Uh, I kind of deviated, Nancy, but your original question is, how do how do you balance that with my bail bond reform? Mm-hmm. Very simple. People have exaggerated my, my reform on bail bonds. It only applied to low-level nonviolent offenses, especially those uh, 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 involving the homeless community. Uh, it didn't ever involve any violent crimes. It didn't certainly involve uh, any serious crimes like aggravated robbery, aggravated sex, um, well, even sex cases, but aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. It was just the criminal trespass. And even that, because it caused so much confusion in the law enforcement community, I did away with that because the chief complained about it over the holiday. I said, you know what? I'm just going to do away with it. And I did. And so now we ha- deal with those cases on a case-by-case basis. So the, the reality is we really don't have any any kind of bail bond reform anymore in the office um, because of the confusion that it caused. Um, but um, certainly it never we never had any kind of policies uh, that exposed officers or anybody else to risk. And, and that's what's frustrating. And this is why I jumped at the chance of being here this morning, is that people are accusing me, this narrative out there that I have lax bail uh, policies. Folks, I don't have any bond policies regarding felony offenses. What I've directed our prosecutors is use your best judgment mm-hmm. based on the facts of, of the case, based on the criminal history of the prisoner. Make your decision where you need to make it. And, and again, it's just a recommendation, but I've never directed our, our prosecutors to, to set ball, bonds at the lower end. Do you agree with Chief McManus's, like the heart of his argument, which is that there are just too many violent offenders on the street. And, and I know he's he's putting the blame with your office. You see it elsewhere. But do you agree with with what's really driving his his complaint? Mm-hmm. Well, I agree that that we, we see an increase in violent offenders uh, on the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think people have a, a quicker propensity, as I say, to commit violence. Uh, we see uh, a higher pro- propensity to pull guns on each other, to engage in, in fights, to pull knives on on. On each other, and of course, we see an increase in domestic violence. The problem is whether or not we, as an office, can do anything to predict uh, that a person that we are dealing with uh, is going to shoot an officer six months or a year from now. All we have is what we have in front of us. Unfortunately, we, we don't have a crystal ball. So how can we how can we predict that somebody that's uh, in the magistrate's office for a drug offense or a property crime mm-hmm. is going to shoot somebody? Um, I, I want to mention too that there. Are- Two areas where you and, the, and Chief McManus are in agreement are uh, both of you said that there are too many guns on the street. And and it, when you made the point that you think that there has been a decline in respect for police officers um, mm-hmm. uh, with the public, um, it, I think the question was was raised with him. And he he agreed with that, too. Um, the the other point I mentioned, the the bond issue, which you, you've you've uh, talked about, the the other point that he brought up um, was the, the argument that, uh, which I think it has to deal more with just how cases are being prosecuted. And um, I think the he is saying that you're shorthanded in the office, that some uh, 
cases are, are, are they're dragging on too long um, that he in his opinion that there are too many cases being d- dismissed I think I think the argument was made that um, sometimes that cases are just being dismissed because it's just you know there's just uh, you all are overwhelmed possibly I don't want to put words in his mouth but I think it was something we, we, did you it was yes. you think that was fair um, so um, you don't have the staff that you don't have enough staff and that you're overwhelmed one case that he pointed to and there's mm-hmm. Jesse Garcia who was one of the, the uh, one of the suspects in the recent police shootings he pointed uh, to uh, he, he said uh, that he'd been out on bond for a year and still hadn't been indicted um, so anyway I want you to just because that really deals more with uh, how how well cases are being prosecuted and the approach that you're taking. And I think that's 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 the second issue and, and maybe the biggest issue that he brought up. Okay. And and uh, I, I can understand his frustration uh, and I can understand uh, him him thinking that the reason these cases are not being prosecuted is because uh, we are short staff. I will tell you that we we have been. Uh, and we saw that over the holidays. Uh, but uh that has leveled off because uh, we recently got some pay raises that have mm. have allowed our prosecutors, who by the way do this because they love what they're doing, and they're not doing it to get rich. Uh, but we have made some. Can I ask you a quick question? Sure. I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, is there, as far as filling the position, I knew there are positions you want to fill. Would you, would you even want to go beyond that? Is it a, is it a budgetary issue for you, or is it just difficult in some cases to, to find people that uh, to to fill those positions? It's both. Okay. It is difficult to find people because why would you go to, to, to work in the DA's office and make 75000 when you go can work, work at a PI firm and make double that amount? You've got to do it because you believe in public service. Uh, and so that's, that's part of the challenge. Uh, but the other thing is, sure, we could always use more hands. We could, uh, could always use more positions. We're, we're down in the intake section. We usually have about 30 prosecutors, uh, handling felony cases, uh, we're down about five or six. We had to borrow people from other divisions to, to make up for the, um, for the difference in, in the uh, vacancies that we have. So we, we're doing everything that we can to, to, uh, to compensate for that. In addition to that, early in the year, we, we created a, a unit that is specifically focused on violent crimes to make sure that those, those cases get moved. Uh, you know, we, we have somewhat of a triage system where we, we identify those where there is a, a greater risk to the community and we push, we try and push those through quicker. But the reality is, uh, you know, we handle 50,000 cases a year and uh and it is it is uh, a huge challenge now when he says uh cases dismissed cases do not get dismissed until after indictment uh <clears throat> before indictment cases are rejected and a lot of times that's why i brought that big binder what you couldn't mm-hmm. see it um you don't see it here but and i didn't bring it with me today because i'm you all i'm sure have a a, a physical picture of it or um, but <laughs> but that was just a two-week period. That was over 400 uh, evidence requests, and it's and it's typical um, uh, in any month to have 800 or so requests. So what happens is we have to stop what we're doing and ask PD to get what they should have gotten to us p- to begin with. For example, you mentioned Jesse Garcia. He was uh, out on on buying awaiting indictment on an unauthorized use of a motor vehicle. Part of the 
one of the elements we have to prove is that the owner did not give that person consent to drive the vehicle. Mm-hmm. That was missing. That never was provided. And if the argument is, well, you didn't ask for it. Well, we shouldn't have to ask for it. That's something basic that you should have been taught uh, during your uh, training at the academy or someone should be training to you. That's that's one of those check checklists that you make sure you, you get a hold of the victim. Without that, we cannot go forward. Without that, we cannot indict that individual. So if we're having to stop and and spend time calling or sending emails or what we call ICRs, uh, <clears throat> requests for evidence, it slows the process down. And that's why um, I brought that as a, a dem- demonstrative tool to show you. That's just two weeks worth. There so, really should be this repository, though, and this this technology. I feel like stuff is caught in the media, and we talked about it last week, but... <sighs> Your office, your prosecutor should be able to get to the records, to the the body cam, to the um, reports. You should be able to pick and, and get whatever you need as you need it so that you're not taking all this time. Why isn't that why isn't that a available. You would think so, right? That makes sense that there should be one basket that we should right. they should just uh, deposit that and, and we extract it. Right. We haven't been able to do that because it takes all the the uh, the stakeholders, not only uh, law enforcement and the DA's office, but the clerk's office, mm-hmm. uh, the county and the city computer system. The the city has one computer system and the county has, has another and they don't talk to each other and that's the biggest problem that we have. So absolutely, I think technology is a big challenge. And by the way, you mentioned body cam Back, and I've been doing this for 35 years, back when I was a young prosecutor 30, over 30 years ago, um, you know, you had uh, you had a file that had uh, a three-page uh, report. And for example, if it was domestic violence, you had a picture of the, the victim that was assaulted. That's it. Today, when somebody files a case and you have eight to 10 officers show up at a scene, every one of them has a body cam. So the prosecutor must review every one of those body cam footage, because what if there's something that was said? No, he didn't hit me. I hit myself. And the prosecutor uh, missed that. So it slows the process down. So is this, a, you think, a challenge for prosecutors, uh, not not just in Bear County, but just this is this is a that, that's, problem? That's, yeah, sure. Any any jurisdiction where officers use body cams, that is something that, that slows the process down because, because we are uh, ethically obligated to review all the evidence. So our... How many cases are being dismissed? I mean, that's something that the chief has said um, more than once is that the cases are being dismissed. So when the police officers are shot or there's other violent, um, not even against police officers, but people in public, um, that when they run the the background, that there is a lot of background, right? Criminal background. And he says violent. And so there's a little confusion with that as well as like you say, there's only two. He says they're all of them, basically. Um, so there's there's definitely two different narratives there. Um, and I personally, I think that the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, like always like life. But I mean, what is it like? Why? Why are these different narratives out there? Well, I think it's because we have different goals, right? The the uh, law enforcement's goal, and especially Chief McManus, is is to arrest that person. And I've heard him say this before: uh, we we put them in jail and they don't stay there. If that's his goal, that's an unrealistic goal because you can't keep somebody in jail just because you arrested them. First of all, they've got there's got to be enough proof to keep them there, and secondly, they have a constitutional right to a bond. And so, what's more important than them focusing on on making the arrest? Is, is following through to make sure we have enough uh, 
uh, evidence to prosecute the person. And I will tell you, because I've said this before, uh, I think a lot of the mentality in, in our law enforcement, especially SAPD, is, hey, man, we had enough probable cause. We made the arrest. The rest of it is up to you. Mm -mm. Your job doesn't end at the arrest, especially on a felony. You have to follow it up. You have to go back there and get the statements from the victims, get the statements from, from the complainant, get the physical evidence, the DNA. Uh, and if they don't do that, that's why a lot of cases are, are rejected before indictment. And remember that if that person is arrested, we have 90 days to get that evidence to us. If not, we have to we have to uh, reject the case. Otherwise, that person is going to be entitled to a, a PR bond. That's what the law provides. When you say rejected, is that the same thing as dismissed? It is. It's 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 a uh, it's just a rejection is what happens before an indictment. But but basically, it's uh, you know rejected dismissing the case. So how many of those are out there? What is the rate or what is the Well, percent? I mean, that's not a question I thought you were going to ask me. I wish I had it at my fingertips. I can yeah. get back to you and, and okay. give you. But, but, I mean, again, I will tell you that um, we are seeing uh, cases rejected or dismissed for valid reasons. We're not doing uh, – let me make something clear. We're not rejecting or dismissing cases because we're overwhelmed to just get rid of them. We, we, are, we are making decisions – uh, that lawyers have to make. Can we prove this case beyond a reasonable doubt, not just based on probable cause? Uh, you know, I have heard anecdotally and, and also a member of the, the command staff has admitted to us that they are arresting uh, without, without a lot of evidence. Be they're doing it, especially on domestic violence case, to get the perpetrator away mm. from that uh, situation. And I get that. You don't want to drive away and then, uh, you know, the, the wife get uh, murdered an hour later. But then we're left with with the tough decision of rejecting that case uh, because there was there was you know she said she was not cooperating she's not going to show up to court uh, and we don't have any if we don't have any independent evidence then we can't go forward with that case. Well, that's really frustrating, right? Because of course you don't want that you don't want that scene to continue. You want to remove um, the person that's that's beating up the wife or, you know, whatever girlfriend. Um, but at the same time, once they get out, they get out <laughs> and they'll probably be even more angry. Um, but it, it's a terrifying situation that, you know, is seems like not to be improving in Bear County, no matter what happens. And and that happens if if they're going to make that decision. And I, and I understand why they would. But let's say in a week they, they do that 100 times. Uh, and then we have to make that tough decision about dismissing the case. We now have to add those to our statistics. And now we have 100 dismissals for that week uh, that maybe before uh, the officers exercise some discretion and, and realize I don't have enough to make the arrest uh, and I'm not going to arrest that person. So given uh, a lot of what you've said about police officers responsibility after making the arrest in, in working with your office, it seems like it would be uh, beneficial to talk on a regular basis with Chief McManus. But uh, that hasn't happened for at least four weeks, maybe maybe longer. Uh, why is that? And when you were talking with them on a regular basis, give us give us some examples of what what you discussed. But first, first things first. Yeah, well, I think that that, that hasn't uh, happened in the last month because of we've we've have had scheduling conflicts, not for any reason, not because I don't want to talk to him or, or I don't think it's because he doesn't want to talk to me it is that we've had other um, matters come up that has prevented us from from being able to meet on a certain day. We actually have. Uh, a meeting set up for later this week. It's our monthly meeting, and hopefully we'll be able to, so, to meet there. But 
But I mean, I mean, with with as many officer involved shootings as you've had over the last several weeks, why did you not make time? Like what well, was higher priority? Well, this. So remember, we're talking about something that happened in the last week mm-hmm. and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, um, I, I actually thought about reaching out to him. But but uh, my first assistant relayed to me that this was not a good time for me to reach out to Chief McManus. Whether that's accurate or not, mm-hmm. my the information I was getting was that he was angry and um, and I understand his, his anger and his frustration. I, I want to make the point that they, because we, we we brought that up with with uh, with the chief and I think their response was that they thought it wasn't a good time because they thought that you would be defensive about this issue. So that, that's- I, Yeah, well, that's, I'll tell you what, I am defensive when you're accusing me of something I didn't do. Yeah. You know, I mean, anybody would do that, right? Anybody, and especially, and, and let's, and I want something I want to make clear. Again, we handle 50,000 cases a mm-hmm. year. We have 200 prosecutors. Obviously I don't personally touch everything. Sure. Um, Actually, I don't personally touch most things. The only time I get involved is when I get the phone call at three in the morning or somebody brings me a significant case uh, that, that I have to make a decision on. So everything I'm, I'm talking about are decisions that my prosecutors made, but that I will stand by because uh, we do a good job of training our prosecutors to to use their their best judgment in making decisions. But uh, yeah, I, I will tell you that that I mean, I'm human yeah? mm-hmm. uh, and, and I'm going to be I'm going to be defensive if I think you're being unfair. And I've mm-hmm. told him and and uh, the city manager and, and Maria, uh, the assistant, Maria Villagomez, look, I'm, I'm going to take the hit all day long for things that we do that it's mm-hmm. our fault. But don't accuse me of something uh, that's not my fault. When you know, uh, I mean, Chief McManus knows how bonds work and he continues to say just enough mm-hmm. to get people riled up about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that uh, I think we should mention uh, is that violent crime is actually down in Bayer County, I think with 14%. And I, if I'm... If I'm wrong on the on the timeline, let me know. But I, th- I think it's from like maybe June of last year to June of this year through June of this year. Is that right? Or that's is correct. Something along those lines. Yes. So that's that's I think an important piece of this for people to know. But but obviously because of the, this recent spate of, of, of shootings uh, involving officers, um, I mean there's there's understandable concern about it. And you we've talked about um, the bond system and the limited uh, influence that you have on that, that your office has on that. And you've talked a little bit about how you, how cases are handled and, um, and, and the, maybe some of the frustrations you had with the police department about getting evidence. What are there, are there things that you look at though, and, and say, this is something that we can do better that in my office, we, I think we can change or try to do a little better. Yes. But before I answer that question, let me go back to Greg, cause I didn't sure. answer that one question. Mm-hmm. Well, when, when I did meet with the right. chief, what, what are the things that we talked about? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, concerns that they had on the, on the resolution of cases. I don't remember ever a time when he came and said, Hey, you know, your bond is, is too low because he knows how that works. Most of the, the, the discussion has been around, well, you, you played out this case, uh, on one case and and you 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 know you dismissed five or let's say five or six uh, and what happens is those cases are taken into consideration. They're just not dismissed. What happens is we we reach a plea bargain, especially if the person is going to go to prison. Let's say he goes to prison on a on a felony like an aggravated robbery or a big uh, drug case and he's got smaller misdemeanors. Well, we're gonna wrap everything out uh, or up and put it in a bundle and. And if he's willing to go to prison and do time, then we'll dismiss the lower ones. And by the way, it's not just a dismissal. The uh, the the judge asks him to to take 
uh, uh, responsibility for it. So there is some accountability. So a lot of the cases are, are what we call taken into consideration or TIC. Mm-hmm. So that's what happens. Are you discussing specific cases? Yes. Or is it kind of global? Oh, no, no, no. no. He'll, he, I mean, there are t- times when they hand us, you know, here's a list of 10 cases. What happens here? And then the next meeting mm-hmm. or sometimes mm-hmm. sooner, we come back to, uh, to him. And, you know, again, you know, I put it on my first assistant. That's part of his job is to go and, and, and research. And for most, I can't, ever remember a time when he wasn't able to come up with a legitimate uh, reason to do what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so you were talking about, uh, I was asking about uh, things that you that you look at, uh, your your office is part of the yes. of the puzzle, and what, what you think that maybe you all can, can do a little better. Well, we're gonna, we're certainly gonna look to see uh, what we can do to, uh, to move uh, these cases that everybody's concerned with um, um, quicker. Um, that's a discussion that I'm having right now with my intake division chief. Uh, and again, that was part of the reason that we came up with this, with this, uh, unit. Um, but I tell you what I would love to see, you know, again, I, I, I hearken back to my years. Uh, that was exactly what the, if he's concerned about, uh, repeat violent offenders out on the street, that's exactly what the rope unit did is to look for those kinds of offenders. There, there should be some, uh, some unit, uh, in the, in the, put, police department looking for people that they're concerned with the other thing they can do thing they can do that i've asked is is when you make an arrest and you bring somebody over to the magistrate's office communicate with us come and tell us mm-hmm. look you know i know your your normal bond for uh you know misdemeanor marijuana is 800 bucks but this guy is a, a street gang member he's a suspect on a murder i i, I suggest that you you ask for a ten thousand dollar bond we'll do it but you got to tell us and so i think there, there should be more that, that PD could be more proactive at the magistrate level. And if you don't want to, and that's what I suggested on, on, uh, on Friday and then, and then it showed up on the paper that I acknowledged it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting it. Mm. I, I'm the one that actually came up with it over the, over the, the evening that if they really are concerned with these kinds of cases, then assign somebody over there. And if you don't want to put a body over there, you don't want to be up like we are. Uh, and I get, you know, they have obviously, uh, people on patrol that, that are patrolling the streets. But if you don't want to have a physical person, have somebody in the police department run, uh, the people that we are magistrating so that you can tell us that this one we want you to recommend higher bond. Could that be like an extra, I don't know, like an extra little, something you can add to the detective to the case and the detective just recommend a bond and just make it something automatic for every case that they deal with. Sure. Sure. And as long as Without they understand, be an easy fix. Sure. Uh, I mean, we, again, we used to have that back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and for happened? some reason, I don't know. I wish I knew. I, I don't know why they stopped doing that. Uh, so you've had that while you've been a DA? Yeah. Yeah. I remember back in the nineties, uh, it was a regular practice. And by the way, I, I haven't just been, uh, a prosecutor working bank. I was actually a magistrate judge for seven years. Mm-hmm. So I take kind of personal when they attack the magistrate judges because I know how hard it is for them to make the decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll be the first to say, usually they follow our recommendations, not always mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. uh, mauling I told you about. And it frustrates us when they don't, but, but it's a tough, it, it's a tough job to have to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, set a bond where you think it's, it's the right amount. Before we rank, wrap things up, I wanted to ask you about uh, HB 17, yes. which is a new state law that uh, just went into effect right. this month. And uh, this would allow uh, courts to remove district attorneys if they choose not to pursue uh, certain types of crimes. Um, and this, the, we're, this is in the context of what we've seen in Florida, where the governor, Ron DeSantis, has suspended district attorneys that he didn't, was, didn't feel 
was pros were prosecuting uh, cases to his liking. Um, and uh, part of HB 17 is that the process can begin with an individual, if it's a, an individual within the county, uh, they can uh, file a petition for removal and get the whole process going. And whether, whether or not that district attorney gets re removed, it's still, uh, you know, it's a, it's a difficult thing because uh, I would imagine this thing could, you could potentially be dealing with this happening on a recurring basis. I mean, mm -hmm. could you talk a little bit about HB 17 and whether you have concerns about it when it comes to being able to, to do your job? This is the one called the rogue rogue district attorney. Right. The rogue yeah. prosecutor bill. Yeah. yeah. Um, I chuckle a little bit about it because I really think this was an overreaction by by the uh, some members of the legislature uh, to comments that uh, uh, a handful of prosecutors, including myself, said that, you know, we didn't believe it was justice uh, to prosecute uh, a woman for making her health care decisions. Uh, but I will tell you that that um, you know, obviously it's a concern of mine because it can be a, a distraction for us. It can potentially cost money for the county. Let's say theoretically somebody files uh, a petition and it gets past the first um, level. And, and so now we have to go to court. So the issue is, uh, is the county going to have to hire an outside law, uh, law firm? Because obviously my civil section can't represent me on that. It's got to be some some uh, somebody from the outside. So if you're talking about spending money uh, with the county that could otherwise be used for for something that that is really needed. So it is it is a concern of mine. The way the removal petition works, Gilbert, is that anyone that's been a resident for six months or more ha has the ability to file a removal petition if they believe uh, I have, uh, for example, made a declaration of uh, refusing or declining to prosecute entire categories of a, of a crime. We've never done that. We've, we've uh, had policies of subcategories like uh, marijuana, less than an ounce, but even that is gone. We are, we are instructing, we have instructed our prosecutors not to decline uh, less than an ounce of marijuana or less than a quarter of a gram of a controlled substance. We are uh, uh, looking at each case on a case-by-case -case basis. Now, we still have the ability to offer diversion because the law provides for diversion. We still have the ability to, to decline or reject the case, not decline, but reject the case for uh, a, a lack of a lab because you, we have to go into court and be able to prove marijuana is, is marijuana. Remember the hemp law it makes it difficult for us. Uh, so we, we can um, uh, reject or dismiss a case for that uh, on that basis. But sure, it's a concern of mine. Now, there's a process. You know, the decision has to be uh, reviewed by the local administrative judge. And if it gets past the, the first stage, then it gets referred to to a judge, a district judge from a, a, a neighboring jurisdiction within the region. And then they have to assign a DA uh, if if it gets that far. So, I mean, it, it can be a distraction. I got the feeling during, when you were meeting with the editorial board that you thought um, that some of the, the political criticism you're getting that it's, you know, that it's ramped up at its right as this this law is going into effect and that you didn't see coincidence in that. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah. You know, I mean, after like, again, I've been doing this for a very long time. Uh, I'm over 60 years old and, and my life experience tells me uh, there's very little times when we see coincidences. This is not the first time we've seen officer-involved shootings. Uh, this is not the first time that we've seen this kind of, of conduct uh, involving officers. And by the way, I'll remind you that we, we are uh, very actively prosecuting people that, that 
injure police officers. And if I was really that rogue DA, if I was really that progressive, I wouldn't have sought the death penalty on on a cop killer like the, like I did uh, on Otis McCain. So um, so we do what we have to do uh, when the the, the facts. Uh, call for it, but but sure, that's uh, that's something that I I, I don't know. I, I think in some ways, some, sometimes I think that the people in Austin are trying to compete with the people in Florida and other jurisdictions because they've done they've tried to do this in Philadelphia against the DA. It didn't succeed. They did it in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It did succeed. Uh, so I, I think there's more afoot here than than what meets the eye, but. Uh, you know, the reality is I'm an elected official and I've got to be accountable to the to the public. And so that's that's why I'm here. And that's why I'll continue uh, to answer those tough questions, because I believe that that we're doing a good job and we are doing everything we can uh, to to uh, uh, focus on public safety. Joe Gonzalez, thank you for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, and everyone listening in, uh, hope everyone's doing well and we'll be back with you again next week. Take care.